All right, all right. Welcome to the Cavus Ships Podcast, where we try and cut through the fog and the murk, shine a bit of light on naval and maritime issues of the day. I'm Chris Cavus. And I'm Chris Cervello. The Cavus Ships Podcast is sponsored by HII. HII is the designer and operator of the U.S. Navy's live virtual constructive training enterprise, the largest LVC enterprise in the U.S. Department of Defense. HII, delivering the advantage. And by GE Marine, a GE aerospace company offering unparalleled power and propulsion for ships from the biggest combatants to the smallest, fastest patrol boats. GE's propulsion solutions are ready for the next generation of sea power. Learn more at geaerospace.com slash marine. Coming up, we travel to Turkey to see up close how a government-owned company is building ships in the country's biggest naval shipyard. We'll talk with Asfat's chief executive about how his business has become a major defense player in only five years, also about the company's joint venture to build ships for and in Pakistan, and what's next. But first, a look at some recent naval news. The USS Dwight D. Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group passed inbound through the Strait of Hormuz on November 26 to enter the Persian Gulf. With the Ike were cruiser Philippine Sea, destroyer Steedham and Gravely, and the French frigate Languedoc. A French E-2C Hawkeye airborne command and control aircraft and French Air Force Rafale strike aircraft also provided cover. The group's passage through the strait was closely watched by Iranian surveillance aircraft, and on November 28th, U.S. Naval Forces Central Command said an Iranian unmanned aircraft, quote, took unsafe and unprofessional actions near the Eisenhower while the ship was operating in international waters in the central Persian Gulf. NavSent said the UAV was visually identified as Iranian and came within 1,500 yards of the carrier, violating standard safety precautions. Meanwhile, several events took place in the Red Sea. In the most recent incident, on November 26th, five suspected pirates, later identified as Somali nationals, boarded the Liberian-flagged chemical tanker Central Park in the Central Red Sea. A distress call from the tanker brought a quick response from the nearby U.S. destroyer Mason and a U.S. Navy P-8 Poseidon patrol aircraft, along with the Japanese destroyer Akibono and a Japanese P-3C Orion aircraft, and the South Korean destroyer Yang Manchun, all working with Combined Task Force 151. Unable to gain control of the Central Park, the pirates abandoned the tanker and attempted to flee, but were taken into custody by the Mason. Concurrently, a ballistic missile launched from Yemen, apparently by Iran-backed Houthi rebels, was engaged and destroyed by the Mason, reportedly using SM-2 missiles. The ballistic missile landed in the sea about 10 nautical miles from the group of ships, but on November 28th, the Pentagon said it appeared the ships were not the intended target, and it was not conclusive that either one or more Houthi missiles were involved. In the Western Pacific, the U.S. destroyer Hopper carried out a Freedom of Navigation passage November 25th in the South China Sea near the Paracel Islands. A statement from U.S. 7th Fleet said the FANOP challenged restrictions on innocent passage imposed by China, Taiwan, and Vietnam, all of whom claim sovereignty over the Paracels. Meanwhile, the littoral combat ships Gabriel Giffords and Mobile and a U.S. Navy P-8A Poseidon from Patrol Squadron 8 joined with warships from the Philippines and Australia, among others, 
beginning November 23rd to begin maritime cooperative activity patrols in the South China Sea, a move designed to counter increasingly aggressive Chinese movements in the region. The Australian frigate Toowoomba, the target on November 14th of an incident near Japan, where the Australian government said the Chinese destroyer Ningbo closed in close to the frigate and activated its sonar while an Australian diver was in the water, carried out a north-to-south passage of the Taiwan Strait on November 23rd. Toowoomba continued on to the South China Sea and joined with the LCS's Gabriel Gifford and Mobile on November 29th on the Maritime Cooperative Activity Patrol. A U.S. Navy P-8 Poseidon Maritime Patrol aircraft overshot the runway November 20th at Marine Corps Air Station Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii, and came to rest in shallow water just off the runway. There were no injuries to the crew from the skinny dragons of Patrol Squadron 4, and as of December 1st, the aircraft was still being defueled prior to salvage. Despite that mishap, Canada, on November 30th, announced it had finalized a government-to-government agreement to buy up to 16 P-8As for the Royal Canadian Air Force, replacing the CP-140 Aurora in the multi-mission maritime patrol role. The deal to replace the Auroras, which are more than 40 years old, is worth at least $6 billion U.S. In new ship news, the assault ship Bougainville, LHA-8, was christened December 2nd at HII's Ingalls Shipbuilding in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Launched in late September, the ship's sponsor is Ellen Dunford, spouse of former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Joseph Dunford. And that's a look at just some of the recent naval news. Okay, well, as we said at the top, um, I had a little adventure uh, recently. I was invited a few weeks ago by the Turkish government-owned company Asfat to visit their shipyard near Istanbul. And with a group of mostly foreign journalists, uh, meet with company officials to get a sense of what they're all about. Uh, for me, it was an all-too-brief yet fascinating visit, underwritten by Asfat, where I got to see the Turkish Navy's largest naval shipyard, see four ships being built at the yard under Asfat's supervision, and engage in wide-ranging discussions, not just about Asfat, but also about naval and maritime events in Turkey, and in particular along the Bosphorus, the strategic waterway straddled by Istanbul, where East meets West, Asia meets Europe, and the waterway leads up to the Black Sea, scene of so much strife, especially in the past two years. Now, the name ASFAP, it's an acronym. It stands for, in Turkish, Askeri Fabrika Vitasani Izetemi, which is my horrible, pathetic attempt to speak Turkish, or <laughs> translated, the Military Factory and Shipyard Management. First, we'll give you a chance to listen to Esat Akun, ASFAT's chief executive officer, in an interview conducted in its offices overlooking the naval shipyard. He'll talk about the unique nature of ASFAT, a commercial company owned by the Turkish government that is charged with making a profit in order to stay in business. A self-described project management company, they've nevertheless managed to enter the top 100 of some worldwide rankings of defense companies, despite operating for no more than five years. After the interview, Chris and I will talk about some of the things I saw and heard during the visit, and I'll share some of my impressions. Now, bear with me. I'm not used to trying to pronounce Turkish names out loud. So here's the interview with Mr. Akun. Okay, we are here at Istanbul Naval Shipyard on the shores of the Sea of Marmara, just near Istanbul, Turkey. Joining us today is Asat Akun, Chief Executive Officer of Asfat. Asfat is an interesting company. It's a government-owned company that is in charge of most of the naval construction projects 
here at Istanbul Naval Shipyard. So, good afternoon, Mr. Akun. Good afternoon. And I'd like to ask you if you could just explain what is ASFAT? This is a ASFAT is a government-owned company. We're in a Turkish naval shipyard, and yet ASFAT is managing most of the, of the construction projects here. How does that work? Let me try to explain. First of all, uh, ASFAT is a company which is owned by the uh, government of Turkey. Uh, but minister, under the Ministry of National Defense of the Republic of Turkey, there are 27 military factories and nine naval shipyards. Uh, from those nine naval shipyards, three shipyards are for construction, six are for just for maintenance, repair, and overhaul operations. And for these 36, in these 36 facilities, all the platforms that the Turkish Armed Forces has, uh, Ministry of Defense is maintaining, repairing, and overhauling. Every platform. Uh, as I mentioned, three of the shipyards are for construction. One is especially in Gölcük shipyard is especially about uh, working uh, for submarines uh, in Izmir for small ships. And this, which we are in, Istanbul Naval Shipyard, we are here constructing the uh, corvettes, OPVs, and frigates, etc., uh, is this shipyard. So, uh, talking about the model, under the uh, umbrella of Ministry of National Defense, there are many entities. One is uh, the shipyards. But on the other hand, Asfat has been settled as a company, but has the right to use these shipyards. So uh, with uh, less than 400 people, we are now managing the projects. That means, project management means, uh, we have hundreds of uh, subcontractors, and we have the ship and, and the workforce of using this workforce of shipyard, and with the uh, workforce of our uh, design uh, subcontractors, we are constructing the ships here in Istanbul Naval Shipyard. So this model, uh, let me try to explain. As Asfat uh, is a governmental company, uh, and every company has a board, you know. But the chairman of the board is the deputy minister. Every company has a general assembly, which means the owner of the company. Uh, but ASFAS general assembly consists of just one person. He is the honorable uh, minister of national defense, Mr. Yashar uh, Güler. So, uh, so I have two bosses. One, the uh, deputy minister, and second one, the minister. So. Uh, as we are a governmental entity and as we are a, a part of Ministry of National Defense, we have the strength and discipline of Ministry of Defense. This is one of our uh, capability. But on the other hand, as we are a company, we have the flexibility of any private company, even more, I can say. How can I say? Just to give an example, if we decide today so we, we decide something today. Then I ask to my bosses, and I can sign tomorrow in the morning. This is the flexibility and uh, speed. But you also asphalt. still have to turn a profit. 
you, force. You, you, you can't just spend government money. Of, we, I, I, we can never spend the government money because uh, I get my salary from the profit of the projects. No, 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 no more, no, nothing comes directly from the government. Although we are a government entity, the government does not pay our salaries. We earn our salaries. So, of course, we have to, uh, it, it has to be a profitable company. All right, fair enough. So we're here, at, uh, we've, we've been looking at the Naval Shipyard today. Um, we've spoken to the commander of the Naval Shipyard. It's an interesting facility. There's a lot happening here. There's a lot of repair work going on. There's a lot of construction work going on. Um, but, it's, but the construction work that Ospot is, is uh, responsible for, I've seen you have two corvettes, two offshore patrol vessels, yes. which are similar to the corvettes, yes. build, building for the Turkish Navy. Um, you have two of uh, the... For Pakistan. Uh, of the Milyam Mil corvettes being built for Pakistan. The other two are being built in Karachi, Pakistan. So yes, and also the, the two in Karachi shipyard is also under our responsibility. Right. We are using the Karachi shipyard as we are using Istanbul Naval Shipyard. So this is an interesting development. The, the, the Milyam frigates have been around for a while. There's, I think the Turkish Navy has four of them. Uh, they're very interesting ships. Um, it's, it's a Turkish design. Yes. It's, it's all Turkish, all built in Turkey. You're now exporting this. You have an export com uh, customer in Pakistan. That's interesting, I think, because the Pakistani Navy has also been buying new ships from the Chinese. Yes. But the Chinese aren't providing technical expertise to build those ships in Pakistan, whereas you are providing technical expertise to build these ships in Karachi dockyard. You're exporting your expertise as well as the ships themselves. You're right. Um, that's that's that, that's a fairly impressive goal. So, uh, what we do to our brotherly countries, we analyze the needs together. We uh, design together for the needs, and we construct together, and we train them to have this capability as well. So, our aim in the future is to construct together to sell to third countries that they can sell easier than us. So it is a way of uh, expanding. This is, this is a fairly new company, Asfat. Yes, you were, you, five year old. Five year old company yes, established in right. 2018 from nothing. Um, you've, but you've grown, you're like a, by, by, by some people's measurements, you're a top 100 company, defense yes. company you're worldwide right. right now. You're right. Um, how, 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 how did it grow so fast? What, what else are you doing? What, what, account, what accounts for that massive growth? So the first thing is, uh, the first thing is, as we are, uh, we have the discipline of our ministry, together with the strength of our government. I mean, when uh, we talk to any uh, client that we are representing the ministry, Minister of Defense, then uh, the level comes very up in order to market. It is very important. But on, and on the other hand, as we are a company and much more flexible, as I mentioned, than any private company, this flexibility and strength, and of course, the heroes of our company. I mean, uh, 340, 337, whatever persons, the people we are uh, hiring in our company, 
are very dedicated people. They are very senior program managers. So uh, we are focusing on our targets and ongoing. So in a very short period of time, hopefully, now we are in uh, defense with top 100 list. And hopefully, in the five years' time, we, our target is to be in, at the uh, top 50. Uh, so, and, and it is manageable from our point of view. It's a very impressive yard. And when, when I got here today, we walked off the boat. Um, a lot of activity, a lot of repair activity. You've got a lot of construction activity. You're working on, on the two OPVs uh, for the Turkish Navy. You have your two... Mm -hmm. uh, Corvettes, frigates for the Pakistani Navy. Yes. What comes after those ships, though? What's next? First, uh, of course, we cannot be sure about the future, but first, 2 plus 8, the project was, the What's, OPV project. And what is the 2 plus 8? Uh, the 2 is already, is already been constructing. Now, yeah. 8 will be constructed. We will see. We will see. This if is we, the offshore patrol vessels for yes, the Turkish yes, Navy. Yes, yes, yes. So you've, it's two plus eight means two plus eight more. Yes, eight more. But you built the, they built the two, but the, the, the eight are not it's programmed. About, it's about budget. It's yeah. about the budget, but we will see. We will see. Hopefully, we will, we will construct them as well. Does that bode problems for you if that doesn't happen soon? No, because we have uh, many other project candidates all over you the do? world. Candidates? If, of course. Okay. We will, see, we will see the rate of the success very soon. Okay. I appreciate that. You understand the question. Everybody worries about their, their order book. Mm -hmm. It's not what you see today. Sustainability it's, it's is what's is, coming in two or three, sustain, four years. Sustainability is much more important, but uh, we are very, uh, let me say, uh, comfortable about sustainability. Uh, okay. There will be many projects. Okay. That's it. All right. Well, Mr. Akun, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the visit. Really appreciate being here. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. All right, Chris. Um, thanks for put, putting that together. I mean, that, that's an interesting um, look at, um, you know, the CEO's perspective of what that company is doing in Turkey. Um, I, I have to admit, I, I'm uh, interested in hearing directly from you, as I'm sure our, our audience is. Um, this was not your first time in Turkey, was it? No, actually it was my first oh, it time. Was. Okay. First um, time on the ground in Turkey. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were some of your thoughts visiting, you know, before we jump into the shipbuilding, what were some of your thoughts visiting the Bosphorus and, um, you, you know, I mean, such an active, uh, waterway, um, you know, what, what leaped out at you, uh, be, you know, being there in person? Well, I know I, you know, I've changed planes in Istanbul before. Yeah. Uh, I've flown over it. It's just a vast, huge, enormous city um and you know the more you see the more there is uh th this is this is antiquity it's one of the classic passageways of antiquity um of course the bosphorus is the is the part of the narrow part of the turkish straits that runs through istanbul it's about 20 miles long and it, it, it ends up in the black sea to the north to the south it goes through the sea of mamara which it widens out a fairly large area and then narrows again at the Dardanelles to go out into the Aegean Sea, the northern, uh, northeast Mediterranean Sea. Um, I even had a chance to to spend a day going down to to a Gallipoli, the Gallipoli battlefields, in the Dardanelles, which was utterly fascinating. But the whole thing is fascinating. It's uh, we've spent a lot of time on the water. Um, 
you know, there's there there are ferries everywhere. It's a bustling, busy crossroads of everything. Um, ships everywhere, and you know, a lot of the politics of of Ukraine and Russia are playing out in the in the heart of the city as ships yeah. are going by, going in and going out. Where are they going? Um, I had a chance to spend some time with uh, probably the you know, one one of the very best qualified ship spotters in 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 the area um who, who we will probably have on the podcast here in a few weeks um talking about um the politics of of that and, and when and what you're seeing you know there was a there was a container ship went by where every single i'm sure people have seen containers containers are just like the the um, containers on an 18 wheeler going down the highway um it's the same thing and they've always got writing on them and whoever owns them or a company or whatever um very colorful sort of thing this container ship went by headed in inbound to the to the black sea um actually the port of headed, headed in for Novorossiysk, the russian uh, port and every container was white they were just all painted out everything was newly painted out uh really clean well you just don't see things like that very often yeah. um but the tankers going in, going out, you know, some of them are clearly Russian. Some of them are cover, cover um, ownership now. Stuff has been painted out. Um, uh, it's it's really, you know, it's the stuff is just going by daily. You know, what's that over there? It's just, um, it's, it's really impressive. Anyway, right. we'll talk about that. But um, uh, just, you know, then before talking to Nat and Asphat, um, Asphat, like they said, it's a, it's a project management company. So, they, as the Mr. Kuhn said, uh, they have to make money that their salary comes from that, um, co comes from the profits. They're supposed to reinvest their profits back into growing. Um, they are a multifaceted defense company. They they don't just do ships. Uh, they do vehicles. They do um, ordnance. Um, they do a number of things um, across Turkey. But the uh, the shipbuilding uh, part of it is a is a very visible part. And uh, like I said, it was interesting that they have this program with uh, Pakistan. So the Ataclass, the Milgem in English, I've always said Milgem because it's M-I-L-G-E-M. It's another uh, acronym. But in Turkish, uh, pronounced Milyem, Milyem, um, is a very nice um, uh, design. It's a, about a 2400 uh, Corvette light frigate design looks sort of like a freedom class lcs yeah. um very handy size very very well thought of uh the turkish navy has four of them um asfat is uh set up a, a, a signed a deal with pakistan a few years ago for a program to build four for pakistan they're called the jenna class in pakistan um they uh the first of which babur um I we 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 went on board uh, briefly got uh, got to see some of it uh, is already been delivered to Pakistan is probably going to sail away for Karachi in um, January the second ship is in the water and fitting out and then uh, there are two others building at Karachi dockyard in Pakistan and another program managed by Asfat so people were going back and forth uh, to Karachi fairly frequently. Um, supervising that construction, that technical exchange, as, as, as I said in the interview, is is interesting because uh, Pakistan has, um, which by the way, uh, you know, fun fact, I lived in for a few years as a kid, way back in the last century, uh -huh. um, and loved it. Um, 
uh, Pakistan's navy today, by and large, is uh, they're 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 buying new ships from the Chinese, um, and now this and that. But but the Chinese uh, ships are not. Uh, they have some frigates, Type Fifty Four frigates, um, but they're not uh, built in 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 Pakistan. The Chinese are happy to sell you stuff, but not necessarily right. Build it uh, there. Teach you teach you how to build it there. Um, that's not the case with the with the uh, asphalt managed um Jinnah class so uh they're working with karachi dockyard which actually has has been building significant ships for some time not brand new at all um but they are they're they're building these two other warships in karachi which is which is um, significant um asfat does not build everything at uh istanbul naval shipyard they had they have the only um uh, they they have two of the f- three construction projects going on now. Um, the, there's a larger frigate, the, I, the Turkish Navy calls it I-class frigate, the Istanbul, which is um, a couple thousand tons larger than the uh, Corvette. But um, the first ship is called the Istanbul. That was built at the Naval Shipyard, but that's a Navy program. That wasn't an ASFAT program. They were running sea trials while we were there. Um, I saw them get underway. Um Passed them, passed them uh, underway uh, once, and um, but that's not an asphalt program. Asphalt's not on everything. There, but they are building these two offshore patrol vessels, which are again um, capable light light frigate, Corvette sized craft. Um, very nice. Both of them are in, have have been, have been launched. They were in dry dock while I was there. Um, uh, Asphalt's shipbuilding fortunes at the moment. Um, the near term, they're hoping to get more of those ships. I, I think the government will probably. I I I don't pretend to understand their acquisition process and how it all happens. Um, sorry, uh, but uh, there was a widespread feeling, not expressed officially, that um, the government will is not going to let Asfat fail. They will they will award more, but at the moment that's under a quote two plus eight concept which means they've only paid for two so far both in the water both fitting out um they have not ordered anymore but uh, theoretically they're, they're they will order up to eight more and um, asphalt certainly is expecting that asphalt and the naval shipyard because the naval shipyard needs to maintain its workforce just like everybody else we sat down and met with the admiral who's uh, commanding the naval shipyard um they gave us a tour of the naval shipyard uh it's a bustling it was a busy bustling place a lot of uh, repair work going on uh, a lot of um, construction capacity and while we were there um that's sort of you know if you're used to going to shipyards you want to see you know there are you know if you will two pictures that you're looking at one is what's in the yard today and the other one is what do you see about what's going to be in the yard in a year or two or three and right now doesn't look like anything. Um, so they didn't show us our, their, their, their panel line, which uh, is, is sort of the, it's, it's always a very large area where that's really where the fabrication, um, the construction of a naval ship starts. You know, we get big plates of steel and start cutting them to shapes and bending them around. And, uh, and uh, then there's a big erection facility, which we I did see, but um, nothing is happening right now. So they've, they've put these things in the water and there's nothing behind them for now. So they had three construction ways three launch ways where there was nothing on them. So I think they're, they're looking for work. 
the shipyard, like like shipbuilders and shipyards everywhere, needs work to keep their people busy. Um, Dude, but, I have two two questions just to yeah. to expand yeah. on that. One is, I mean, did, was there any similarities between shipyards that you've seen in the United States? I mean, did it look like? You, you know, uh, you, you talked at length after our visit to Ingalls, which is done outside, you know, covers all sorts of different stuff. Whereas, uh, whereas when you got just got back from Wisconsin, um, you know, the Fink and Terry yard up there tends to be much more compact stuff done inside. Was there any, you know, can you make any comparisons to what you've seen here in the United States? I can't talk about the, about the cover issue because, they're not building anything right now. So nothing, right, okay. nothing's on order. Right. Um, that's, you know, in the traditionally when you, when you go back to shipyard, when they got a lot coming, a lot's literally in the pipeline, it's coming down, you'll see pipes, all right, pipes everywhere. There's right. total open pipes. And sometimes there's this, you know, vast um, area where there's pipes everywhere um, stored out in the open until they're, until they're necessary. Can't tell right now. It's hard to tell because I don't think anything's on order. Um, it's, and plus, you know, their, their, their environment, their, their, the climate is not unlike, you know, well, I, I live in Washington, that's I Washington, D.C., not unlike Washington, D.C. It's wet, right. it's cold, or it snows sometimes, it gets hot, um, so something like that. But it's, it's not really severe one way or the other. But, um, I didn't have, I didn't have that much, that, that, that sense, other than the fact that it was capable, uh, it's, it's, um, it's not that it's not latest and greatest, but it's not outdated either. Actually, the, the Istanbul shipyard, the real Istanbul naval shipyard, uh, was over established in I think the 1400s um, in the Golden Horn, which is of course the heart of Istanbul. But uh, this yard is on the Sea of Marmara. Um, it's 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 in a different location, and it used to be a, a commercial yard that the the government bought it and moved the naval shipyard out of the golden horn and over there in 1999 so it's a fairly recent it's a, it's a fairly new shipyard if you know quarter century um it's it's big uh it's for for, for a navy the size of the turkish navy it's a lot and they have three shipyards this is one of them this is the largest one but like i said they did a lot of repair work um the the the, the presidential yacht Savarona, which is um, a classic, you know, 1931 built Gibson Cox designed um, huge yacht that uh, Ataturk bought in 1938 was in dry dock when we were there. I was not expecting to see that. It's like, whoa, look at that. Right. Um, and I had him take a couple, you know, a few pictures for me. Um, just a classic. Who, who are their Who are their likely customers? I I mean, I remember reading at one point they thought they might build. I mean, you mentioned the Pakistan Navy. Right. Um, at one point they were looking to build those Ada class corvettes for the Ukrainian Navy. Um, I mean, so is, is other regional navies or like what? Who who are who are, are they likely to go after business from? I they they are, but it's not. Again, it gets it gets mixed up, and I'm not. I feel inadequate to get into great detail confidently sure. <laughs> about the difference between asphalt and Turkish industry. Okay. So there, so there is a, um, well, you know, the Atta class for million cor Corvettes were not built by asphalt. Um, asphalt is managing the four millions of Jenna class for Pakistan. There is one 
that has been built for Ukraine, but it's in a private yard. And okay. that's, and that was not them. Of course, that ship is in limbo. And even then, there's this, you know, just like, uh, you know, I mean, it's it, it's always interesting traveling anywhere. How do, how do other people do it? What's their situation? People have similar problems around the world in budgeting and resources and capacity and, and all this and different approaches to how they how they management what's acceptable. So it's not always the most. Uh, cost-effective way. Sometimes you're trying to maintain capability or capacity. So this Istanbul-class frigate, the I-class frigate, is being built at the naval shipyard by the Turkish Navy. But there are four of them, and this was the prototype. This is this is this is leading the way. But the other three are being built. There's a whole row of commercial shipyards adjacent to the naval shipyard, stretches down um, further along the coast. And um, of the three other Istanbul-class frigates, it, one each is being built at three different shipyards. So when you when you and in the end, you're going to have four frigates, all built by different shipyards. Inevitably, that presents problems in shipbuilding. Inevitably, different yards have different processes. They're not identical. We do it this way here. We do it that way over here for whatever reason. And people reason people everywhere resist doing it somebody else's way when we do it this way here. So there's a, there's a um, penalty to be paid by having four ships built by four different yards. You essentially have four different first of class ships in each yard uh, for that workforce. There'll be some differences and you won't get any cost benefits from series production in one yard. When one yard builds four ships, they get better at each successive ship. So, you know, the second one becomes cheaper than the first, the third becomes cheaper, the fourth becomes the cheapest. And you just get better at it. Um, plus you have, uh, you know, economic orders of quantity. And when you do this way, you know, four different ships, four ships in four different yards, um, you don't, you're not going to get that, but you're spreading the work out. It's a pretty significant job. That yard's going to get to build that. That yard's going to get to build that. So they'll know how to do these things. So you're trading some efficiencies to maintain that capacity. Um, and that's definitely a, a, you know, a consideration. It's not the cheapest way, but you know, there, there are penalties that, that come with that, but it's a, but it's a different approach. Asphat has got its eyes on a TF, uh, the next class of frigate after the I class, which the Turkish government is not committed to yet, but there, there, there are designs there in their proposals and Asphat is very much um, uh, in the hunt for that. So they are, they're definitely shooting for more projects, but at the moment, I don't think they have, as, as Mr. Akun said, there's no commitment to yet another one, but you know they're they're trying to present a good face. We've we've got this, but they have they have uh, relations with uh, Vard Marine of Canada. Uh, Vard is this interesting, um, uh, you know, puts out these interesting ex-bow ships. Actually, Fincantieri uh, Marinette Marine at Sturge, up in Sturgeon Bay is building the first Vard uh, ship to be built in the USA. I just uh, was was seeing people working on that last month. Um, and they have uh, a, 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 a cooperative engagement, a cooperative relationship with the Dutch Daman Group. Uh, Daman is uh, is right, I think, right up their alley. Daman is uh, um, gone after this uh, sort of low end 
you know, companies that want modern capable ships, but don't need the most sophisticated, latest and greatest for a lot of reasons. I can't pay for it. I can't maintain it. I don't need it. It's more than I, more than I need, but you know, navies like Morocco or Indonesia, um, there's a huge market out there. And Domin has made great inroads into it. And by the way, Pakistan would fall into that too. So it looks like Asfad is, 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 is trying to get in on that. But, um, I mean, I was, I was impressed with the yard. Uh, just, I mean, a lot happening. There's a lot happening. The Coast Guard uh, boats are in there. Um, I even saw the uh, the old uh, USS Greenland, ASR-10, which is a submarine rescue ship that was built at the end of World War II and transferred to the Turks, um, I think, around 1960. It's, it's decommissioned, but it's laid up there. It's still, it's, it was still sitting there looking pretty good. Um, uh, but it was certainly an interesting place to go to. You've done a number of these trips. I mean, from a macro level, uh, I mean, I, I think you can hear it in your voice. But why do you really like doing these um, these international trips? Uh, aside from seeing and experiencing new things, I mean, what? How does this make you a better analyst, if you will? Well, I mean, every every shipyard is its own entity. There are no two shipyards alike. They may be in the same business, but everybody has has their uniqueness um it starts with geography just where are you what does this look like uh what's your what's your footprint kind of what's the size of, of of ship i can build here how would i accommodate that it goes with um you know the municipality you work for what's my local government where do i get my workforce from what do they expect um what what are the ships that we're building uh people do different things differently um, for a variety of reasons. And, um, you know, some yards you go to and boy, you know, it's a mud yard, you know, it's still nothing, not much is paved. Um, pretty, pretty rudimentary. Um, it's not a very good way to build ships anymore. Uh, frankly, it's just dirty. It's messy. Um, but you still see that you still go to yards where nobody's paved anything. Some yards are just really state of the state of the art um and again depends you know how much do we have to invest who's behind us what are our customers all that but everybody's different you know you go you go to a yard in france you go to a yard in sweden um go to a yard in singapore um go to a yard in uh qatar um everything's different and uh, these are places i've been and it's um it's all actually you know britain it's always eye-opening um some, you know, one of my favorite things was uh, in uh, Toulon, the Toulon Naval Dockyard some years ago. Um, I was visiting. There was a dry dock. The dry dock dates from the late 18th century, late 1700s. And at the time, it was one of the largest dry docks in the world to, you know, to, to put French ships of the line into. Today, it's not a very big dock. But France operates the world's smallest class of nuclear submarines. And we went on board a nuclear submarine in the midst of a refueling overhaul in this dry dock that dates from the late 1700s. Whoa. Amazing. I mean, <laughs> it is amazing. It really is. It's, it, you know, so, you know, you can adapt. You, it d depends what you're talking about. And you see this sort of thing in Sweden, even. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, it's just endlessly fascinating. And everybody, everybody has workforce issues. Um, I was at a conference this week, uh, an FCA, I mean, uh, ASNI conference this week, and people are talking about all the workforce issues and how do we, you know, attract and retain good people. And 
that's universal. There's no uniqueness about that. I think that's the frustration I have when I hear people talk about it is that welcome to the world. Um, right. That's that's the world that we live in today in 2023, and it's worldwide. It's across the country. It's across industries. It's across the world. And in Turkey, they're, they're worried about it. Since you brought it up, ASFAT almost are they 100% Turkish work workforce, or do they have um, third party nationals? Or um, I, I couldn't tell you that. Okay, I didn't know if they you know got got into the the demographics of the workforce. It's a it's a great question. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> for sorry. Your next, for your you next it. visit. See, now you have a reason to go back to Turkey is to get the breakdown. It was, yeah, it, it, was, it was it was a great visit. I mean, I saw a lot. I learned a lot. I heard a lot. Um, uh, ridiculously entertaining. Really good. Before we go away, actually speaking about more conferences, conferences that you and I are going to, uh, Chris, you were at the ITSEC conference this week, the Inter-Service Industry Training, Simulation, and Education Conference in beautiful downtown Orlando, Florida, in 67 seconds. Did anything <laughs> you saw or heard stand out? I really like going to this conference. I think I talked a little bit about it last year. Big takeaways for me, the technology because of computing power continues to get smaller. The complexity of the scenarios continues to enlarge. Um, spend a little bit of time at the HII booth. Um, as we mentioned at the top, they're uh, you know, live virtual constructive. Uh, I continue to be impressed by what I see from a, a just a technology standpoint. I kind of put myself back on a ship and imagine if I could have had this and what this would have meant, the ability to link um, not only different scenarios and different theaters with different people uh, all, all around the world, but um, to do it in a like real time way. Um, and so to see that uh, technology firsthand was really great. Uh, I would say that if folks want to learn more about it, uh, myself and retired Captain uh, Wes Naylor, we talked to Vago earlier in the week on his Wednesday podcast. Go check that out and we'll give you the full dump there. But yeah, it was a great time, Chris. Excellent. Well, you you do some pretty cool stuff too, Chris. <laughs> All right. I don't get to go to Turkey, but you know. Nah, I'll be <laughs> All right. I cut you off because it's time to squawk about cyber strategy. Thanks, Chris. On November 21st, the Department of Navy released its inaugural cyber strategy, featuring seven lines of effort, improve and support the cyber workforce, defend enterprise IT data and networks, secure defense critical infrastructure and weapon systems, conduct and facilitate cyber operations, partner to secure the defense industrial base and foster cooperation and collaboration. According to outgoing Department of Navy Principal Cyber Advisor Chris Cleary, the strategy demonstrates the department's priority to both defend the Navy's cyber enterprise and data, as well as conduct and facilitate cyber operations across the globe. Now, Chris, we don't typically talk cyber on this pod, nor do we spend a lot of time fussing over documents. But I like this document for several reasons, and three immediately jump to mind. First, such a strategy is long overdue. This document helps draw attention to an underfunded and underappreciated focus area. Our Navy is the most capital and technology intensive of the armed services, and we spend less than the cost of one ship to protect the data and electronic systems that do make us the greatest Navy in the world. This strategy will help streamline priorities and funding to grow those resources, both human and fiscal, to better keep naval ones and zeros safe from our adversaries. The second reason, and on a much more practical level, 
It is a well-constructed and well-laid-out document that is easy to read. There are lots of pictures, white space, and graphics. I didn't feel like I was reading stereo instructions while reviewing the strategy. BZ to those who authored and laid out the document. Finally, Chris, listen to a few sentences from the conclusion of the strategy. The Department of the Navy cyber strategy contributes to the defense of the nation and establishes the sustainment of American sea power. Alongside our efforts supporting maritime dominance in the physical domains, we must develop and build on our capabilities in cyberspace to enable naval operations and structure our forces for success in strategic competition. These actions are fundamental to defending the free and open rules-based order that has generated unprecedented prosperity, interconnectivity, and freedom for decades. Chris, sea power, maritime dominance, prosperity, hot damn. They are speaking our language. It's hard to not like a document that thoughtfully connects budget, operating, and human effects to the very reason for having a Navy. The department's cyber leadership obviously understands where they and the Navy fit into national security. I look forward to watching them enact this impressive vision. Check out the strategy if you like this stuff the way we do. All right. Well, hot damn to you, Chris, too. <laughs> Folks, that does it for this week. As always, our thanks go out to Vagamore Audion and the Defense and Aerospace Group for their support. The Cavaships podcast is sponsored by GE Marine, a GE aerospace company offering unparalleled power and propulsion for ships from the biggest combatants to the smallest, fastest patrol boats. GE's propulsion solutions are ready for the next generation of sea power. Learn more at geaerospace.com slash marine. And by HII. HII is one of the largest artificial intelligence and machine learning federal contractors to the U.S. government. HII delivering the advantage. Be sure to follow us at Cavus Ships on Twitter. And remember, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Spotify. I'm Chris Cervello. And I'm Chris Cavus. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Hey.